From Grangeville to Lapway, we've got your District 2 breakdown right here on the Palouse PrepCast with Garrison Hardy. That's right. It is another edition of the Palouse PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down everything in District 2 athletics. Brandon Bainey joined once again by Garrison Hardy. Garrison, what's going on? Oh, it's just another typical Tuesday here at Moscow, Idaho, up in District 2. And, uh, man, Brandon, I'm excited. we got a lot to talk about with uh, playoffs, uh, both for volleyball and football, um, in, in full swing. Yeah, another typical Tuesday in District 2. I like it. That's right. <laughs> you get alliteration there, Garrison. That's and what that's I why- do, you know. <laughs> and that's why we're professional broadcasters. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Only here on IdahoSports.com, folks. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, state soccer wrapped up last week. We, we talked about how District 2 didn't have a ton of teams that were competing. So um, we don't really need to revisit what happened there. And now we move into state volleyball this week and, of course, the opening round of the state football playoffs. So I thought it would be nice to start with volleyball because it's actually going to be happening uh, kind of in your neck of the woods, right? It's all up in North Idaho this year. That's correct. A a large portion of the games, if not all of them, are taking place at Lewis Clark State College, which is just a 40 minute drive uh, to down to Lewiston. Um, And uh, I know for a fact that actually my co-host, Jason Hansen, he's got one of his his daughter playing for Genesee. So he uh, he may actually be running a bit late to our uh, playoff football game uh, down in Lewiston. Uh, So uh, stay tuned on that, folks. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, LC State, of course, a great host. And then uh, some of the other schools in District 1, you know, Lake City, uh, Lake Lund will host as well. So it's it's nice to have some of these state events go up to North Idaho, right? It, it helps tilt the balance a, a little bit. Yeah, you know, obviously Boise is kind of known as the epicenter of Idaho, if you will. So uh, allowing fans of these northern schools who would normally have to make the trip down that way to be able to just stay home and see their kids play, compete uh, sometimes in courts that they're very used to. Uh, that's, that's gotta be a nice change of pace for the fans up here. And then, Hey, for the folks who are normally hanging out down South, they get to come up to Northern Idaho. We've got some beautiful scenery up here. You and I have talked about that uh, frequently here on this prep cast. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a nice change of pace for the, for the schools in Idaho. Yeah, it'll be really fun and exciting. So again, if you are watching the video of this prep cast on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or our Facebook page, you will see we're, we're going to put the brackets up on the screen just like we did last week with state soccer. If you are listening to the podcast audio only on IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, uh, just try to follow along as best as you can. But as a reminder, you can get all of these state tournament brackets at our website, idahosports.com and uh, our webmaster paul kingsbury will be updating those in real time as results become final and things like that so keep checking back all throughout state volleyball and each week during the state football playoffs as well we'll have those brackets updated as quickly as we can so let's start in volleyball uh the 4a state tournament is going to be held at post falls high school uh the 29th and 30th friday and saturday this is the first tournament where we've got a district two team garrison because moscow the two seed knocked off lakeland the top seed at districts last week uh, they actually won the the championship matchup it was a thriller it went five sets they won three to two uh sam unger 32 assists 21 digs for moscow in the victory and because of that it's the bears at state as the number five seed overall they will play fourth seeded columbia the champions from district three a good matchup to start 
Absolutely. And boy, talk about a confidence booster as the Bears look to move forward in uh, in this playoff. You know, and that's why we talk about these games not being played on paper. You know, the the number one seed, uh, some people I'm sure would be favoring that. Uh, but Moscow coming in and knocking them off. A uh, great confidence booster as they move forward. And jeesh, uh, a lot of assists uh, from, uh, uh, I, gosh, I for the names escaping me. Uh, Sam Unger. Sam Unger, 21 assists. My goodness. And then the team rallied around that. Uh, great way to start things off for the Bears. And it's uh, great to see somebody from District 2 representing us. Yes. Uh, so that is the second week in a row where that's happened, right? Uh, it happened in girls soccer where Moscow upset Sandpoint and got to state. And now it's happened in volleyball. So I'm sure Lakeland and Sandpoint are like, you know, we've had just about enough of Moscow this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Bears are not ready for hibernation just yet. You got to love it. Uh, and uh, props to, you know, my my home um, now my hometown, Moscow, uh, for representing District 2 and moving on. It's going to be curious to see uh, what they're able to do with uh, Columbia, if they're able to keep that momentum going uh, further and deeper rounds in the playoffs. Yeah. And so we always think of district three, right? That's where Boise, the Boise schools are as, as deep and loaded. It wasn't, it wasn't as deep and, and, and talented as it has been in years past. So I think this is definitely a winnable matchup for Moscow. What would be difficult is a potential semifinal against top seeded Wood River. Uh, the Wolverines have been far and away the best team in 4A volleyball this year. So it'll be interesting to see. They they That's number one Wood River against number eight Nampa. That's all on the same side of the bracket as Moscow. But at volleyball, you never know, right? A team can get hot. You're playing multiple matches in one day. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what Moscow can do there. The next volleyball tournament we have to break down is the two-way state volleyball tournament. That's going to take place at Lakeland High School in Rathgrum uh, again Friday and Saturday, the 29th and 30th. Orofino, the Maniacs, you know, I've, I've kind of been talking about them all season, Garrison, as uh, to me, coming into the season, it looked like Orofino and St. Mary's were going to be the two favorites. And, and pretty clearly early on, it, it, it was apparent that Orofino was going to run away with this league. Uh, no problems. And they actually didn't even play St. Mary's in, in the best of three district championship. They played Grangeville, who upset St. Mary's in the play-in game. So Orofino as a four seed, I think they're in a really good spot here. They will take on fifth seeded Coal Valley Christian, the champions, for again, from District 3 in this opening matchup. Yeah, and uh, props to Orofino for going going out and taking care of business. You know, it, it's easy when you're favored to come out of a league to maybe get a little complacent. Maybe think we deserve to be here. We deserve to advance to the playoffs, this, that, and the other. But they just came out and took care of business, and now they're going to get the chance to potentially be rewarded here in the playoffs with that start against Cole Valley, as you mentioned. And then it's going to be interesting to see whether they take on Westside or Delco, obviously Westside the favored out of that matchup. So uh, now Orofino just needs to continue on with that momentum, take care of business against Cole, Fa Cole Valley and let the results come as they go. Right. Uh, on the same side of the bracket as them, uh, the top seed West side, the defending 2A state champions, and, and then uh, the Declo Hornets, the number eight seed. I, I like West side there. And again, just kind of like with Moscow, I think Orofino West side would be a fantastic matchup. And where I would say it's like 70, 30 Wood River versus Moscow, I'd give Moscow like a 30% chance of winning. And again, if I'm wrong next week, I'll totally own this, but <laughs> I, I think I it's, say, we'll see. <laughs> I, I think it's closer to, to uh, like a 60, 40 almost for Westside and Orofino. So I think Orofino has a, a really good chance to, to make some noise at the two a state tournament. 
Okay, now we have to move on to the 1A D1 State Volleyball Tournament where three, count them, three teams from the White Pine League representing. Let's start at the very top with the number one overall seed, the Troy Trojans. They're going to play uh, the eight-seed Oakley. This this is the tournament that's taking place at uh, Lewis and Clark State up in Lewiston uh, that you talked about Jason Hansen's going to be at. So, yeah, Troy, the number one seed, playing eighth-seeded Oakley. No surprises that the Trojans are the number one team. Oh, absolutely. And I've mentioned her name numerous times on this prep cast, but Morgan Blazard, just a a fantastic athlete. And that's why she's going to go on to play volleyball uh, at the next level in the collegiate ranks. Uh, And then the team around her, there there just doesn't appear to be any weak spots, really. Uh, No matter where the ball is hit on the court, they've got somebody there ready to support, uh, make a dig and uh, keep the keep the rally going. Uh, so uh, you're right. No, no surprises here that Troy comes in at number one in this uh, tournament. Yeah. Morgan Blazard going to play at Eastern Washington University next year in the Big Sky Conference. And so Oakley, the champions from District four. But as you can see, uh, seated eighth. So uh, I like Troy there. Then right below them is another team from the White Pine League. Genesee checks in as the number four seed overall. They will play fifth seeded Liberty Charter. What is it about these four or five matchups? Liberty Charter, the champions from District 3. <laughs> that's, that's been a common common theme in these four or five matchups. Genesee uh, had to win a play-in game, Garrison. They had to play Wallace, who won District 1. Uh, Wallace, by winning their district, didn't get an automatic bid to state. They had to compete in a play-in match this past Saturday. Uh, Genesee won that. And so here are the Bulldogs and not only that, but by winning that state play and match, they jumped all the way up to the number four seat as well, which is pretty impressive. And, you know, there's something that can be said that about playing uh, these play-in games that can they can actually be a help to a team in that uh, maybe uh, they help knock some of the rust off, so to speak, that uh, they come in a little bit more loose, uh, having to have just played a game uh, so that it, my dad, you know, he's been a coach for 25 some years in basketball, obviously a different sport, different things going on there. But uh, he always hated really long breaks because he always felt as though his team had a much larger risk about coming in, coming out flat. Uh, and so uh, some of these teams who maybe have a little bit longer of a break than Genesee, they're going to have to keep an eye on that. Whereas the Bulldogs, they come in uh, fresh off of a win. There's a confidence boost booster there as far as mentally and then physically they're maybe they're a little bit more uh warmed up so to speak and i like this bulldog team you know they they certainly have uh i would say a few more holes in their roster compared to troy obviously and that's why they weren't able to beat troy this season but they do have some weapons on this team that can make them somewhat of a threat uh so uh, I, i look for genesee to survive in advance and maybe get another matchup against troy but uh but we're just gonna have to let the players go out and play Yeah, well, and we talked about if it is Troy against Genesee, it's really hard to beat the same team over and over and over again. Eventually, the law of averages says that other team that's been losing is going to win one of those. And so for Genesee, a team that hasn't broken through yet against Troy, no better time than at State, that's for sure. Uh, As we move to the bottom half of the bracket, the third team from the White Pine League is actually the number two seed, Potlatch. Uh, Potlatch has enjoyed a fantastic season. They had a really good team last year and just missed out on state. And they are at state this year. They got swept by Troy in the district championship, three, nothing, but Troy does that to a lot of teams and they will play the number seven seed Greenleaf friends Academy, the uh, Christian school down in the, the Boise area. They finished second in district three. So 
when you look at the White Pine League, Garrison, they took the one, two, and four seeds overall, which I think is a clear indicator of how tough and talented the league was this year. You know, Jason and I have talked frequently about the White Pine League just because uh, based on our geographical location, we have a lot of good football teams to cover. But now that's the case with volleyball, too. Jason calls it the SEC of uh, one, the 1A division and whatnot. So uh, with volleyball, that seems to be the, the case as well. And with uh, with Potlatch, Jason and I were at Potlatch uh, this last week uh, covering Potlatch versus Lapway in football. And we just overheard people in the press box talking about how great it is to see this volleyball team putting it all together. They've been oh so close. And uh, sometimes the, the, you know, the girls sports programs haven't been um, as highly touted as they are this year. Uh, so it's always nice to see them put a good group together like they have this year and they've gone out and to their credit, they've just, uh, other than Troy, they've run roughhouse over the white pine league. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what it does when the lights, uh, what the team does when the light it lights are shining brightest. Yeah, what a season it's been, uh, not just in volleyball, but all athletics for Potlatch. We'll, we'll talk about their football team in just a little bit. So, yeah, uh, number two, Potlatch against number seven, Greenleaf. Number four, Genesee against number five, Liberty Charter. Number one, Troy against number eight, Oakley. Those are the first round matchups. It would not surprise me in the least to see Troy and Potlatch again for the whole enchilada, the, the state title. That, that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. 100% agree. Uh, and these two teams, you know, uh, Troy has come out on top uh, in every matchup thus far. But just like you mentioned earlier, uh, the the more chances that Potlatch gets, the more chances they have something, uh, the ball to bounce their way, so to speak. So keep an eye on Potlatch, folks. Uh, the, lo- the loggers are uh, here to stay, I think. Absolutely. Finally, the 1AD2 state volleyball tournament, and this is also being held in Lewiston. I think this is going to be at Lewiston High School. Uh, We'll be hosting these tournament matches. Uh, You've got Kendrick, the uh, champs from the uh, White Pine League, seeded fifth. They will take on fourth seeded Rockland in their opening round matchup. Rockland was actually the district runner up uh, at district five and six the team they lost to is Mackey, which is seated third so uh they're playing a district runner-up but it's still going to be a tough opponent uh regardless rockland lost in the semifinals at districts and had to fight their way back through the consolation bracket they had to play three matches on saturday they were the last district tournament statewide to wrap up so rockland is a team that's battle tested they, they had to run the gauntlet to to get to state now here they are against a kendrick team that's trying to represent the north And like I said, the teams that are battle tested typically are a little bit more stout when it comes to facing adversity and whatnot. So I think this could uh, certainly pay an advantage for Rockland as they come into this. Uh, Kendrick's going to have to be ready. uh, And, uh, you know, obviously Kendrick's made it to the playoffs. So uh, they're certainly going to come out uh, guns a blazing. Uh, as you would say. Uh, So Kendrick, um, I I certainly think, has the chance to do the North proud uh, as they come into this tournament. Yeah, Kendrick defeated Deary 3-1 to in the district championship matchup uh, this past Thursday. Deary then had to turn around and win a play-in match, just like Genesee did. They played the champion from District 1. That was Clark Fork. And I think coming into the matchup, a lot of people were predicting Clark Fork to win that matchup because the Wampus Cats are such a fixture at state, right? They've, they've, they're a perennial participant at state. They have a great volleyball program. Well, 
reasons still unknown, but on Saturday at the play-in match between Deary and Clark Fork, Clark Fork was without their head coach. It was kind of an unexpected thing. Uh, she was kind of FaceTiming with the team and trying to, but it was it was the JV coach that was having to lead. So they had a lot going on. Deary was able to capitalize on that and win that play-in match 3-1. to one. And so now it is Deary also representing the White Pine League as the number seven seed. They will play second-seeded council, the second-place team from District 3. They lost to the number one overall seed, Horseshoe Bend. So uh, a tough matchup for Deary, but this is a team that we talked about. If you win that state playing match, maybe it gives you a little momentum. Right. And first of all, you got to feel feel for the kids with Clark Fork. I mean, to, to suddenly not have your coach there, it, it can throw off your rhythm sometimes when uh, new variables are thrown into the equation right as you get to the most important part of the season, which is the playoffs. And uh, maybe they're maybe the, it was just harder to focus as a result. Uh, maybe they just didn't have the as great a connection with the JV coach. You know, who knows? Uh, so a tough situation for Clark Fork. But, pr- hey, props to Deary for, like you said, capitalizing on the situation, coming in a little bit more battle-tested maybe as they go into this really tough matchup. Uh, so uh, if, if the Mustangs can capitalize on this momentum and keep it rolling, like we've said, volleyball, maybe it's a, it's a little bit different, I think, than uh, basketball or football when it comes to maybe a more powerful opponent taking on a lesser opponent. Um, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Mustangs can pull one uh, out of the hat here. Yeah, you never know this time of year, right? It's weird how momentum works and things of that nature. So a lot of good volleyball teams up north in District 2 competing at State this week. Wouldn't be surprising to me next week, uh, Garrison, if we're having to break down somebody's championship run from District 2. So we'll just have to see which team it is, right? Could be multiple teams. That's right. That's right. Yeah, gotta love, gotta love the playoffs, no matter which sport. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, that's kind of a breakdown of what's going on in state volleyball this week. And again, stay plugged into IdahoSports.com Friday and Saturday for updates of everything that's going on. Uh, we'll step aside and take a break. And when we come back, we'll dive into all of the football action. That's right. State brackets finally out for football. I feel like Oh, my life is complete this week. <laughs> it's Christmas, but it's Halloween. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we'll take a break. We'll hear from our sponsors, the Idaho Division of Public Health, and we'll come back right after this on the Palouse PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Back on the Palouse PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey with Garrison Hardy as we now start to look at what's going on football-wise in District 2. I think we have to start with Lewiston, right? They they came into last Friday's game with Coeur d'Alene, kind of controlling their own fate. If they won that game, they won the Inland Empire League, uh, fell a little flat. But Coeur d'Alene had their backs against the wall, right? The Vikings knew they needed to win to pretty much get in. And so a 38-7 to victory for Coeur d'Alene. I was pretty surprised uh, by the outcome for Lewiston. What, what did you think, Garrison? I was surprised too. I mean, this is a Lewiston team that came out and throttled post falls post falls turns around and just beats quarter lane. And then all of a sudden quarter lane comes out and throttles Lewiston. So it was kind of a weird, uh, 
three-team scenario there. And uh, with Lewiston's offense being as powerful as it has been all season, I firmly expected them to at least go toe-to-toe with Coeur d'Alene. Now, this is a Coeur d'Alene program that has been the bane of Lewiston's existence for uh, the past couple of years here, at least ever since I've been covering IdahoSports.com. Uh, Coeur d'Alene has just been a thorn in the side of Lewiston's football program. And uh, that was that continued on in uh, that last week's game there. Uh, so uh, props to Coeur d'Alene coming out. And they, like you said, their backs were against the wall. They knew they needed to win if they wanted a shot at this, which is surprising to say with how dominant they've been in the past. Uh, and they came out and executed. And it, it's just tough to go up to Coeur d'Alene at their place and uh, come out with a win. So, uh, you know, tough break for Lewiston, but hey, they're still in it. Moving on. That's right. So what happened was with that loss, it created a three-way tie for first place between Coeur d'Alene, Lewiston, and Post Falls. And as you mentioned, kind of in a circle, everyone had beaten each other. So how do we just settle it? A good old-fashioned Kansas City tiebreaker. That's how uh, Monday night at Moscow, uh, all three teams met up. Uh, have, have you been to a Kansas City tiebreaker or been involved in one of those before, Garrison? Never before. Please explain. <laughs> okay. So the Kansas City tiebreaker, it's kind of almost like a jamboree. You know, you, you have those jamborees at the start of the season and uh, team A will play team B and you start at the it's almost like college football overtime as well, where uh, so Lewiston and Post Falls played first last night. Lewiston got the ball starting at Post Falls 35 yard line. And from there, they had to try to score if they score. Then they turn around and play defense, and then Post Falls has to score to try and, and match Lewiston, and that didn't happen, so Post Falls lost, and then Lewiston moved on to play Coeur d'Alene. So it's kind of a round-robin, college overtime slash jamboree-style affair, and sometimes they can last 20 minutes. Sometimes they can last two hours. I think the one uh, for, for the Inland Empire League went about an hour and a half, I think, but long story short, Coeur d'Alene and Lewiston both knew that if they finished third, their record would be good enough to clinch that at-large spot into the playoffs. So they were kind of playing with house money. Post Falls was the team that really needed to finish first or second. If they finished third, Post Falls was out. Well, that's exactly what happened. Post Falls finished third. They're sitting at home for the playoffs, which is crazy to think about because they've looked pretty good this year. So then it was Lewiston and Coeur d'Alene playing each other again in kind of a mini overtime, whatever you want to call it, type deal. Uh, Coeur d'Alene won that. So because of that, the Vikings win the league. They get the first round by into the quarterfinals. But Lewiston, as the second place team from the Inland Empire League, still gets a home playoff game. I hope I explained that clearly, but it didn't. It wasn't really clear, was it? <laughs> well, that that makes sense to me as much as it can, at least. <laughs> yes, we we I, I put a story up on the homepage of IdahoSports.com yesterday as well, kind of explaining the Kansas City tiebreaker because there were there were four of these going on around the state, which is like unusual. Like these don't happen very often, and so to have four happen all on the same night was kind of bonkers. And so, yeah, a lot of people were confused. I tried to explain it as best I could, and I think most people. By the end of it, kind of understood how it goes. But um, so Lewiston with the win, as we pull up the 5A uh, state football bracket now, uh, as you look here, you'll probably want to um, make your screen full screen. If you're watching the video of this, so you can see it a little more clearly. But Lewiston is the number two team from the north. They will host the number five team from the west, which is the Boise area. That would be the Capital Eagles. Uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup, Garrison. This year in District 3, there were so many teams that they split them into two divisions. 
There was a division of six and a division of six. Capital finished third in their respective division and then uh, had to win a cross-divisional game against the fourth-place team from the other division to earn their spot, and Capital did that pretty convincingly. Capital was a team I think a lot of people expected to finish second in their division. They got upset by Bora uh, to finish third, and Bora is a team that qualified as the final at large. So Capital is a team that's got a lot of potential, but they haven't always lived up to it this year. They've got a good quarterback in Max Clark, who's pretty athletic. They've got a tight end, Cody Walk, who's getting some big time, not big time, but smaller division one college looks, I think. And then certainly division two, II, division three college looks. And an interesting wrinkle for Capital, the final week of the regular season, their longtime head coach, Todd Simis, announced that he was going to be uh, retiring at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. now you've got that storyline involved with capital as well. So that's kind of the breakdown on capital. Um, I think Lewiston matches up very well though, athletically, especially with their ability to run the ball. Absolutely. And just uh, kind of the way you laid out capital, it's going to be an interesting battle when it comes to Lewiston's offensive and defensive line going up against capitals front. Uh, You know, you talk about uh, a good quarterback from capital. Well, Lewiston's defensive front is going to need to get in there and uh, put some pressure on him as he surveys the field and try to make things uncomfortable for him. Uh, If they, if he's got a good uh, security blanket in a tight end, Lewiston's going to need to do a good job of spying both the quarterback and the tight end, try to make, uh, get in the way of that connection there. Uh, and I think Lewiston, ha- like you said, has the athletes to do it. Uh, they've got skill players all over the field when it comes to Jace McCarcher and Cruz Hepburn. That's a, quite the tandem there. You got uh, Elliot Taylor as well that you can throw in there. Um, Jared Jelinek, the speedy, sneaky wide receiver for his size. Uh, he just finds the way to settle into zones, beat coverage over the top. Uh, this is a Lewiston team that's been explosive, minus that uh, Lane matchup that we saw last week. But I'm pretty sure they can uh, dust that off, especially uh, I, I think we want to mention how they're playing at home in front of their uh, rowdy home crowd. And I think Lewiston's going to come out in droves to support this team. You know, they've been to the Kibbe Dome uh, before, you know, in the past. Uh, it's going to be nice to have it at their home field, I think. Uh, so uh, going to be curious to see what uh, what Lewiston brings to the table against a quality opponent um, at, out of ca- in capital, excuse me. Um, and uh, I, I'm excited to uh, be in the booth covering this matchup. Yeah, we will have that game for you. Uh, video coverage on IdahoSports.com, 7 o'clock Friday night from Lewiston High as the Bengals host the uh, Capital Eagles. We talked about it in the season opener, right, when CUNA had to come up and play Lewiston. And we talked about how that's not a short trip. That like Having home field advantage for this game for Lewiston is is a big deal. It's it's a it's a longer trip for Capital, who honestly, let's be honest, Capital, their longest trip of the season was probably like 20 minutes to like go to Eagle or Meridian, Brutal. right? Yeah, so th- this is really the first time that they are actually traveling somewhere, so we'll see how they can um, uh, respond to that. Max Clark uh, threw th- for three touchdowns, added a fourth on the ground. Capital beat Timberline 42-7 to last week in that uh, SIC divisional game that got them into the playoffs, so we talked about Max Clark. For Lewiston, the big key is going to be They've got to get the running game going, right? Quarter lane held, and this was the stat that really surprised me from that game. Cruz Hepburn was held to just five yards rushing by that quarter lane defense, which just that never happens. So 
Yeah, in every game Jason and I have covered of Lewiston, Cruz has been all over the stat sheet. So for Coeur d'Alene to go in, they they knew that he was the, I guess, the spearhead of that Lewiston offense. So you take that away, and then what do you got left? Certainly Lewiston has other weapons that they can throw in there, but it, Cruz Hepburn is, plays a huge part of that. So I'm sure that Capital is taking a look at that game tape and saying, okay, what did Coeur d'Alene do here? in order to neutralize their one of their biggest threats. By the way, Cruz Hepburn is committed to the University of Washington for baseball, so he's quite the athlete. So uh, Capital's going to know this going into it, and they're going to do everything they can on that end to break up that connection with uh, with uh, McCarcher uh, in, in the backfield. Of course, uh, the problem being that uh, Lewiston can just hand the ball off to get it to Hepburn and then uh, see what he can do. So, again, Capital, if they can uh, put a stranglehold on Hepburn, uh, it, it becomes a really tough battle uh, in for Lewiston. So uh, the offensive line needs to show up big for the Bengals. Yep, seven and two Lewiston, six and three Capital. Capital was in the weaker of the two divisions this year, so their record might be just a touch inflated as well. So let's move on to the two A bracket. You'll see there's not much filled in because uh, they have these these play in games for th- uh, first, right? You have Aberdeen at Firth. Cole Valley Christian at Bear Lake and then uh, West Jefferson at Melba. And then what happens is once those three winners are determined, everybody gets reseeded. So you could have a team that's playing like Firth, for example, if Firth advances, they're probably going to be like the number two or number three seed overall, even though they had to have a play in game. So that's why when you look at some of these football brackets, there's a lot of lines that are blank because we just don't know where to slot teams yet because it's all based on the max preps rankings. Like we've talked about all season. One of the uh, teams you will not see on there yet, and that is because we don't know who it is, is going to be the champion of the Central Idaho League. And uh, it's actually a regular season, the only regular season game happening this Friday night, Garrison. Grangeville will take on St. Mary's just like last year. The winner will win District uh, 1 and 2 and advance to the playoffs where they will more than likely be the number eight seed having to play the two-time defending state champs West side. That's exactly what happened to Grangeville last year and probably could happen again this year. I think Grangeville is certainly favored in, in their matchup with St. Mary's. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about Grangeville uh, being a program that uh, isn't scared of anybody and a a program that's used to these kind of situations where they got to, you know, fight tooth and nail and then just move on in advance. And I think this is a team that'll take care of business. You know, that's a proud program uh, and they're ready for this test, you know, and, and this season has been a rough one for Grangeville. So uh, you and I talked about how they were going to schedule these tough opponents and uh, in a hopes to kind of boost their ranking towards the end of the season, didn't necessarily pan out, but uh, they're, schedule is so back heavy that as long as they take care of business within their conference, they're still going to have a you know chance to move into the playoffs, which is exactly what they're doing here. Uh, interesting kind of setup as far as the schedule goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, Grangeville, I think uh, they'll rise to the occasion and move on. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they do have a bit of a tough test uh, if they, you know, do get into the playoffs, uh, either team. Yeah. And and again, this game is uh, taking place so late because St. Mary's had some COVID-19 problems and had to kind of readjust their schedule. Not anything that Grangeville did. Uh, and we talked about their tough schedule. Um, 
it helps your max preps rankings, but eventually you gotta you gotta win some of those games too to help. So mm-hmm. you know they they have only won twice this year, but they've played Moscow, a four A school, Bonners Ferry, a three A school that just missed out on the playoffs. Weezer, a lot of people think that the second best team in three A football, McCall Donnelly, which just uh, which actually qualified for the playoffs in the three A ranks, Kellogg, which is a three A playoff team, Melba is a two A playoff team. So I mean, yeah, they they really loaded their schedule for bear so when you look at their overall record you know you're gonna see two and five but again we've talked about you can't really face it and one thing i'll add in there is uh, based on the rankings from max preps really the only way uh, a win boosts your rankings is if you win by 20 or more points so from grangeville's perspective if they were able to keep some of those games a little bit closer maybe that would boost their rankings up but uh sometimes they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw as we saw throughout the season so uh an interesting way they're kind of ironing out these rankings with max preps and uh, it'll only get better and smoother as uh, the season progress good starting point i think yes um and we'll we'll know more about it as we go next year and beyond and beyond the max preps rankings really came into factor in the one a d1 race here garrison where uh as we look at the first round of action there there are a ton of teams from the white pine league which we kind of suspected i think most intriguing was that uh going into friday clearwater valley held the final playoff spot over glenn's ferry those two were competing for the final at large bid and so this past friday uh, CV uh, wins their contest, right? It was kind of a low-scoring game, though, with Kamii. They only won 16-12, to 12, and Glenn's Ferry ended up blowing out Lighthouse Christian. So when everybody woke up Saturday morning, Glenn's Ferry had leapfrogged Clearwater Valley for that final playoff spot. But there was one game still to be played on Saturday, right? It was uh, the Logos game. Uh, were you at that game, Garrison? I was not. No, okay. uh, I, I had the potlatch assignment. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So Lo- Logos was playing Lewis County, a D1 versus D2 on Saturday. They had to move the game to Saturday because of a lack of officials. And Logos won in pretty convincing fashion. Well, since Logos was a team that Clearwater Valley had beaten earlier this year, that Logos victory gave Clearwater Valley enough of a boost in the max preps rankings that when we woke up on Sunday, the Rams had once again leapfrogged Glenn's Ferry. So it's just kind of a wild weekend of scoreboard watching in the max preps rankings. And so Clearwater Valley gets the final uh, at-large playoff spot. Uh, They will take on a familiar face in Lapway in their playoff opener Friday night at 7 p.m. at Lapway. Man, I feel like we're talking about the BCS or something like that with the, with these percentages and these uh, teams that you've played in the past and the you know the, based on other matchups, this, that, and the other. Uh, tough break there for uh, for the team that was just booted out. Uh, but you know, for Clearwater Valley, the, I, this is a team that we talked about throughout the season that has the talent. They just had a really rough start to the season, starting 0-3. Then they were able to figure some things out going forward. Uh, and this is a team with talent. Uh, you know, you got to like the looks of uh, Dylan Pickering, uh, stud linebacker and uh, running back out of the backfield. So um, it, 
interesting matchup here with Lapway, but Lapway, man, this is a team that has been on a roll. I got to cover their last two games, and uh, they, they're kind of uh, a buzzsaw that's just hitting its stride, so to speak, cutting through the competition. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> and uh, So uh, for Lapway, I, I like their chances in this one. They just got athletes and speed all over the field. Uh, it's going to be tough for Clearwater Valley, who they do certainly have some weapons in the quarterback, Anthony Fabi and uh, Pickering. But uh, a tough ask for the uh, for the Rams. I thought you said Anthony Fauci for a second. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll leave that alone. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll stick with sports, I guess. Anthony, yeah, Anthony Fabi, uh, the quarterback for CV. Uh, Lapway, of course, has a great quarterback of their own in Titus Yearout. When they met in the regular season, Lapway won 44 to 22. I think for for Lapway, the the formula for success is yeah, let's let's score, baby. For for Clearwater Valley, they they have to keep it to a low scoring game. I think uh, to to grind out the win, I would favor Lapway in this matchup. Uh, that's my personal opinion with that one. But yeah, and, and I would agree with you there. You know, we we saw. Uh, Clearwater Valley against Logos this year, and they tried to grind it out on the ground, and they were able to do so. Uh, but the thing with Lapway is you got to be able to mix it up. So uh, their defensive front has the size, with especially with a you know Sage Lone Bear uh, right in the middle, uh, clogging up running lanes. You're going to have to be able to go over the air, and uh, if you do that, you're just throwing it towards some tremendous athletes in the secondary for Lapway. So really, it's a tough matchup either way you look at it for Clearwater Valley, and uh, I think that score kind of suits uh, the you know difference as far as uh, overall talent for the teams. Yep. Lapway finished second in the regular season White Pine standings. Of course, Prairie won the won the conference. They got a first round bye. Again, you don't see them on the bracket yet because we're, we're not sure where they're going to slot in. It all depends on uh, other teams that win in the opening round. Five teams from the White Pine League got in. The other ones that are playing, let's talk about Potlatch. They are a team that I'll be honest, when when we got the preseason coaches polls in, some people had Potlatch as high as like third, and some people had them as low as eighth, dead last. They were going to be a hard team to figure out. Coach Ball has done a great job with this squad. They will now take on Grace, the runner-up from District 5 and 6. So the rule is is that when when you're playing a team in the first round that's more than one district away, you have to try and meet somewhere in the middle at a neutral site field. So they're going to play in New Plymouth Friday at 2 p.m., a little early action for the Potlatch Loggers. I like Potlatch a lot in this matchup with Grace. Oh, absolutely. Potlatch is a team, uh, you know, we, Jason and I covered them last week against Lapway and uh, Lapway was able to pull away and come out with the win. But this was a Potlatch team that was going right back at Lapway. And on if they hadn't fumbled the ball twice, those were the only two turnovers throughout the game. Lapway got both of them. If they hadn't done that, I think that the scoreline would have been a lot closer. I think it was 56 to 35, something like that towards the end. Uh, And uh, it could have been a one possession game because Lapway was having trouble getting the loggers off the field when they were able to control the ball and uh, move the and run the ball uh, the way they wanted to. They couldn't really throw it. And that's the only thing. However, uh, you got to give props to uh, the quarterback. Uh, that was it's either Titus or Tyson Tucker. One of those two. I uh, kept mixing it up. Titus year out and Titus Tucker. Mm. It, a mm. lot of T's being thrown around there. <laughs> right. And then uh, the backfield, Howard. 
Jonathan Howard out of the backfield. They were quite the one-two punch. And then you've got Isaac McNeilson over or Isaac McNeil rather over the top. This is a team with weapons and grit and toughness. And Coach Ball, he knows how to get his players in the right position. And uh, you know, I, I certainly like the loggers going at least to the next round uh for, for this playoff. Absolutely. Grace comes in with a four and four record. Uh, their four losses came to three of the best teams in 1AD1, Oakley, Rapt River, and Butte County, as well as North Gem, which made the playoffs in 1AD2. So they're battle tested as well. But I, I do favor Potlatch slightly in that matchup there. The final first round matchup will be Genesee. They uh, they finished third in the White Pine League final standings. They will play Murtaugh, which also finished third in their conference over in District 4. Uh, this is, again, a neutral site game. It's going to be played at Weezer High School. And um, I'm trying to see on the big print there, 3 p.m. on Friday. So they're going to play Weezer at 3 p.m. Or they're going to play in Weezer at 3 p.m. And again, I favor Genesee in this matchup. I don't think Murtaugh particularly, I, I think their record is inflated a little bit. Um, their max preps ranking got boosted because they're in the same conference as Rath River and Oakley, the top two teams. So I, I like Genesee in this matchup a lot. 100%. I would go the same way. Uh, Genesee is a team with numerous athletes across the field. Again, we saw them against Prairie, and obviously the game did not go their way. I mean, who, it doesn't normally go other teams' ways against Prairie, but uh, for Genesee, they've got talent as well and a solid defense. Uh, and a couple of the athletes that come to mind are side. Wareham, who got moved to the quarterback as well as the running back. I hope I'm not butchering his name, Jack Johnson. Uh, I, I think that's uh, their running back, a big athlete with the ability to go the distance uh, from uh, end zone to end zone. Uh, so I, I like Lewiston's chances. They were they even took down Kendrick, a tough 1A D2 team uh, earlier this season, and a close one. So uh, I think Genesee moves on to the next round, like you said. Yeah, Jack Johnson scored the game-winning touchdown for Genesee in that 24-22 win late over Kendrick. So we're talking about possibly when we get to the quarterfinals and there's eight, team le eight teams left, we're talking about four of eight, half the field being from the White Pine League, which... Yep. J Jason went on quite the tangent when we were covering Genesee versus prayer about why he thinks that this is a great setup, uh, maybe a little bit biased, but you know, it was, uh, it, he thinks the white pine is the sec of the one a D one league. So we're going to get to see, uh, that in action potentially. And usually, uh, the white pine just beats up on each other and, uh, now they get the chance to all represent. So we'll see. That's right. Well, there is one more White Pine League to talk about. It's at the 1A D2 ranks. This is the bracket that's predetermined, right? They've already had the matchup set in stone for a while. Timberline from Weipe. Uh, we talked about Clinch, their spot two weeks ago. Tough assignment here. They got to go play the top team, Carey, right away. A Carey team that uh, hasn't lost in at all this year and are very tough. But for Timberline, it's exciting to be back in the playoffs for the second year. Yep. And, uh, you know, this is a program that started off with a rough loss at the hands of Logos, but uh, they also didn't have uh, a couple of their better players. And uh, this is a team that has playoff history. So Jason, Jason and I talked about it. We thought that they had a chance to, especially with their schedule being so backloaded, they turned it around, they did what they needed to do. And now they're in the playoffs. It just so happens they ran into, you know, carry <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, certainly a really tough assignment. Uh, but Timberline can be proud for the season they've had. And all what do they got to lose? They can go out there and throw 
their best punch at Carrie that they can. And it, obviously Carrie is heavily favored, but that's why these games aren't played on paper. I say it all the time and I sound like a broken record, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, Timberline, just go out there and have fun and let the results fall where they may. Yeah, that game will be Friday at 5 o'clock in Cary, and that is a game that we will have on IdahoSports.com. So all the fans up in Weipe that can't travel down to Cary, uh, just tune in to IdahoSports.com. We got you covered. So it's going to be a good time. We, uh, we've we arrived, Garrison. We, we're going to have actual playoff results to talk about next week and state volleyball champions to recap, and it's a, it's an exciting time. It's getting real. I mean, what what more can you say? <laughs> this is what all the hard work, uh, all the blood, sweat, and tears uh, has you know is starting to pay off, and we're going to get closer and closer to crowning a champion. And hopefully, uh, a couple of them are from District Two. Yep, I, I think certainly we'll we'll be talking about District Two teams deep, deep, deep into the playoffs. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Palouse Prep Cast. Ran a little long, but you know we had a lot to talk about, so <laughs> that's all right. Sometimes we do that when there's a lot of good content. So uh, Garrison, have fun Friday night in Lewiston. It's going to be a lot of fun. I certainly shall. I'm looking forward to covering the Bengals in the playoffs. Uh, this is going to be my first time getting to cover them in the playoffs. So uh, very much looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, uh, Jason and I will be bringing you guys the action here on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Seven o'clock Friday. So until then, for Garrison Hardy, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the Palouse Prepcast brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health on IdahoSports.com.